Hello, welcome to Reactive. My name is Henning Klattegertz, and I'm here with uh, Raquel. Hi, everyone. And I'm also here with Khalil. Hello. How's it going? Good. Good. Been a while. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. The team's all here. Do, 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 do. Yeah. <laughs> Before the start of the call, I was just coming up with random theme songs, just so you know. Um, yeah, so it's uh, it's been a while since all three of us have been on the call together. So it's really nice to have us all together, which I think is really cool. Um, yeah. yeah, there's some... Uh, I have big news. Big news, which anybody who follows me on Twitter probably has already seen this. Um, but for those who maybe don't care for Twitter or are on a Twitter hiatus or whatever... Um, this is my last week at NPM. Oh. <gasps> <laughs> no oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. Um, yeah, so that's a pretty huge, huge piece of information, huge piece of news. Um, a lot of people are like, oh my God, why? Um, and, and really, it all comes down to, I have been at NPM for almost four years now. And like... I feel like in this industry, four years is basically like an entire career. <laughs> like, I feel like I've had two careers at NPM so far. Um, and it's time for me to move on. It's time for me to, to do something new and different. And um, I'm, uh, I, I have a place to land going uh, to another company, but I will not announce that until, um, until, until a few weeks from now. So I'm going to be taking a few weeks off. And um, I'm really excited to just do nothing for a few weeks, which is going to be... starting the show off with a cliffhanger. That's great. <laughs> I know. Right. Yes. Yes. Well, uh, I, like, I, like to, I like to get the, the big news out of the way, you know, because yeah. otherwise we would end the show with a cliffhanger. And then that's really annoying because people were like, <sighs> and then we wouldn't actually fulfill the cliffhanger until like, I don't know, two or three weeks from now. So... Yeah. <laughs> So. Wow, that is exciting, though. Yeah. So yeah, I'm we will hear all about your journey. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So I won't be able to share like a lot of hot takes on like NPM internals anymore. Please exactly. let me stay on this podcast. Yeah. <laughs> that sucks. But hey, we can have uh, we can have enter new company name here internals. Hopefully. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So might also be interesting. <laughs> mm -hmm. Probably. 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 Maybe. Yeah. Could Maybe. Be. Maybe. Um Go Yeah, so did it did it. You're doing a lot of singing lately again, I think, right? Or well, I don't know if you can call it singing. Sorry if that was incorrect. Um because it wasn't that why you weren't here last time. For the lack of a better word, we could say singing. <laughs> I, mean, I just didn't want to. I didn't want to misrepresent your 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 yeah. art. Performing, <laughs> performing. Yes. He's performing a lot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've been um, so I've because I've been on tour with Smash Hi-Fi. Um, um, we we played a, a bunch of festival gigs in the UK and a few things like one in Switzerland and uh, a few in Germany and. It was um, it was really fun. Like I, di I didn't even I didn't expect that I would be 
uh, so much fun <clears throat> again because the when I was doing music for for my living for a living basically it was it became at the end it became a little stressful because it didn't there were so many things that I was in conflict with kind of internally um, with my situation and um, it's, it's so and at the music I was making I wasn't a hundred percent a hundred percent cool with it anymore and stuff like so so being on tour was kind of a was a situation that was not a hundred percent just fun it was also difficult and con conflict in I had just internal turmoil going on so I was that was always kind of um associated with it and then when I went on tour with Smash Haifa it was very different because the tracks that I'm doing with them I'm not on stage the whole time just for for a bunch of tracks but the ones that I've I've doing with I'm doing with them with them the, I'm very comfortable with 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 them it's it's right for my voice I'm I'm happy with the lyrics I'm happy with I'm good I'm fine with like I like the music and everything so It's much different. It's just like I'm 100% behind it. It's less, <clears throat> there's no compromise. Uh, I didn't have to make a compromise with myself in order to perform. And so um, that was really that was really fun. And then I was kind of missing because the Smash Hi-Fi music is, the context is always a little bit, it's like those festivals with people that are kind of used to like rave music, electronic music. And where I come from is like is like dancehall music, which mostly happens in <clears throat> in clubs, and has a very has very much its its own culture, which has been kind of teleported from Jamaica to everywhere in the world. And there's a certain you know a certain music played. I mean, basically mostly dancehall music played in those uh, at those parties, and then the people engage with the DJs in a certain way and it's it's really very lively and it's very there's kind of communication going on between the people and the and the people who are who are performing the music or are playing the music and I kind of was missing that and and there's some there's a sound system here in uh, Stuttgart they're they're pretty they're actually worldwide very they're known for being a really good you know dancehall sound system they have a party here and I just asked them if I can I can come and just pass by and do a few tracks and it was uh, and they and they were happy to to have me it was really cool so I, I just did that recently a few like last week or so and that was really awesome it was kind of really getting back into that scene from from back so in is the, the fact that it's not not your like source of income does that have anything to do with it Or some of it, maybe. It, I mean, what it has—it definitely frees me up to to just be me and do what I want to do, and I don't have yeah. to care about anything. And uh, and that's always good with creative stuff and music, because because you're not because when you when you are under a lot of pressure to make money, then you may you you tend to make stupid decisions that kind of you know where you think like oh when I do this. Um, then I can make, you know, in the short term, that might be helpful or make money or be good, you know, to have this relationship or whatever, because you're constantly trying to figure this out. And, um, and that's, that's not really good for, for the end result for your product, for what you're making. Um, it's much better 
to to not think about the money and just have a vision or something that or make something that really represents you and then perform that because that's always because the bottom line is the people notice the people notice if when you're on stage and you're not a hundred percent okay with what you're doing on stage even if they don't notice it you know uh um if even if they don't know that they're noticing it they notice you know mm-hmm. so so that's really important and uh and really the the people who make it they always just do what comes out of them they're not doing mostly not doing any compromise thing uh, uh, maybe in the case of like pro, you know like products that are like artists that are products of like marketing minds you know like a britney spears kind of product kind of thing that might be a little different <clears throat> when there's a lot of money behind it and, and a whole marketing machine and that's different but with the, but all these young artists nowadays that are coming up through the internet by just posting their music on youtube and in soundcloud and stuff they are yeah they're just doing what what they feel and that's that works because they're themselves it's really important Very cool. Yeah, I mean, I'm following your Instagram feed. Looks like you're having fun, so that's good. (laughs) It's fun. It's really nice. Very good. Very cool. Excellent. Yeah, that's cool. Yay for creative outlets. Mm -hmm. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So what's going on in? uh, So Henny, you're tired. I heard. Yeah, I'm tired. Um, (laughs) What's going on over there? Uh, basically doing things I shouldn't be doing, which is working very late. Oh. No! (laughs) No! Yeah, yeah. It was, uh, it's been interesting. Um, we'll see if we can curb that here very shortly. But unfortunately, you know, what, well, unfortunately, um, Black Friday is coming up next week, Thanksgiving, and then Cyber Monday. Those are the biggest days for us. So oh, there's a lot yeah. of um, cramming going on. Cyber yeah, Monday, and Black Friday. Yeah, it's crazy. So a lot of things that need to go into production like this week and early next week, maybe. Um, and yeah, so it's a, it's a bit, uh, bit stressful right now. <laughs> So that's the reason. Okay, for the, but that's understandable. I mean, it's, uh, yeah, yeah. Those are kind of landmark thingies. No? Exactly. Yeah. yeah, it's it's quite it's kind of weird. I've never worked for a company that had you know these these kinds of uh, fixed dates in the year that you know are like guaranteed huge income days, and mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. they ramp up toward you know towards those days, and uh, you have to sort of be. I guess in in our case, we're going to sort of have to be on call uh, in case, you know, anything happens. Um, And that's also unusual, like at least comparing to to past, you know, engagements because Thanksgiving weekend is like the biggest or one of the biggest holidays in the United States and it's all about, you know, getting family, getting together, et cetera. Mm -hmm. And here we are Mm -hmm. (laughs) having to support the the e-commerce system. So so it's interesting, very interesting. Yeah, yeah. Interesting. that's didn't, cool. Didn't then Walmart Walmart um, deal with with that with that bit like with um, Node? They mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. That's it's, just, it's yeah. like the big test for all the like the online merchants is, is mm-hmm. Black Friday because the the um, I don't have any numbers or anything, but um, the the amount of traffic is just you know 
significantly different than a normal yeah. day. And, yes. Uh, it makes for some interesting problems and mm-hmm. some nervous people. <laughs> yeah. Functions I mean, I think I, I would argue that uh, when Walmart did the node Black Friday thing um, several years ago, like that was actually one of the like test cases. Can node do this? Right. Like, and, and I think that because Walmart's such a huge company um, that the fact that they only had one issue, which was that they had a bug in one of the systems, but they spotted the bug, fixed the bug, deployed the bug, all in the middle of Black Friday. Nobody noticed, nobody cared. And it was just like, otherwise crickets. Mm -hmm. It made a lot of companies go, oh, if Walmart's willing to do it, then maybe we can start to consider it too. Mm -hmm. Um, So I thought that was really interesting. And, um, yeah, I also know for sure that I'm absolutely going to be one of those people <laughs> watching Black Friday. <laughs> yeah, but from the other side, or, or is that what you're saying? Or uh, Well, no, I mean, guess what? Uh, on Black Friday, NPM will be giving away all of their public packages for free. Did you know? Oh. Yeah. <laughs> They're getting That's, in on the game. Yeah, yeah there people, you go. People will be trampled to death. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we'll be running all into your packages. Um, yeah, we had that joke last year too. Um, uh, for one night only, um, and the next night, and the night after that. Um, but <laughs> so that's that. Uh, yeah, no, I'm. I'm just. I'm gonna be. It'll be my first week off, and I'm having uh, Thanksgiving with my family, and um, it's gonna be like. Thanksgiving, like you basically fill yourself up with turkey and then you go to bed. Sometimes it depends, right? Because now, oh my goodness, I feel so bad for retail workers because these days terrible, uh, in the yeah. US, Black Friday, it's supposed to be Friday, right? And normal working hours are like 9, 9 or 10 a.m. to like 5 or 6 p.m., right? No, not in the retail industry. Now Black Friday will start like... It, it kept creeping up earlier and earlier and earlier. Like it would be like 3 a.m. opening or like it would be 6 a.m. opening, then 3 a.m. opening, then midnight what? opening, and then like 10 p.m. the night before. And now it's gotten to the point what? where it's like 3 p.m. on Thursday, on Thanksgiving. I'm like, 3 oh, wow. p.m. What? on Thanksgiving. You're no longer having Thanksgiving because Thanksgiving is like, at least in my family, the way we do it because there's so much food is we start, like we just like have a super light lunch basically like do brunch in the morning around like 11 and then we cook all day and then we have Thanksgiving dinner at like 3 4 o'clock and yep. just stuff our sa- ourselves silly so that by the time 10 p.m. comes around like you just you're in a need coma. to just roll over <laughs> into bed <laughs> yeah exactly you're in a food coma and then and then I go online the next day is what I've just started doing but like I have family members who would just be like we need to we need to finish up uh, dinner because I need to go to the store. Like, <laughs> yeah. Are you exactly. kidding? It's terrible. They should just go ahead and make it Black Week and then Black Month next year. That's probably year. what it's no. going to be in five years. Yeah. Actually, it's going to be Black To be year. fair, there are, <laughs> there are some companies that are just like, oh, it's November. It we'll just we're just going to put in our Black Friday stuff now, and then you can <laughs> just mm-hmm. have fun. And then like, because the other thing is that like, especially for smaller companies, it's overwhelming because you get like. If you get 
if you're a company, if you're a smaller independently owned business and you get like normally maybe three or four online orders a day, like that's a lot. And, and you have to like ship it and everything like that. And people expect you to ship it within a couple of days, but on a black Friday sort of situation, you might get like 300 online orders in a single day. And if everybody's expecting you to fulfill those orders, like overnight, like you can't do that by yourself. (laughs) It's ridiculous. So yeah, it's kind of, it's interesting that you brought up the Walmart example because that's funny. Mm-hmm. I, I actually gave my um, the uh, VP of engineering or of technology here the link to that podcast because the entire or some of the um, mm-hmm. technical folks at uh, at Walmart were on one of the Node po- podcasts that talked about that in very great detail, which is really really cool, mm-hmm. and that sort of turned the sort of the the direction a little bit into into node for us as well so oh really yeah it had that effect (laughs) nice yeah it's like yeah well exactly what raquel said it's like oh wow walmart did it and they did it on black friday and it didn't explode wow you know so yeah yeah (laughs) so so what so so what are you doing with node so we're doing the um basically the uh the uh the api that we had oh, talked yeah, okay. about. It's basically mm-hmm. the Lambda thing. Yeah, right. That's the extent of it at this this point. Um, right, right, right. That's what we talked yeah. about like two, two episodes Two ago. weeks ago or something, yeah, yeah mm-hmm. or three weeks ago, yeah, exactly. Cool. Cool. Yes. <clears throat> cool stuffs. Yeah, so did you guys cool. see the the, uh, the announcement by Uber that they want to get into the uh, air taxi business? No. You can't see no. me scowling right now, but that is exactly <laughs> what I'm doing. I'm so full of uh, no freaking way, dude. Yeah, no. they're actually gonna. Just, they're they're talking about like wanting to test it in your neck of the woods, sort of. So I don't know. the The thing the the little bit that I read basically is that they 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 had the summit recently, and they they had the who's who of the uh, vertical takeoff and landing industry there. Um, and they partnered with NASA in some fashion or form. And um, they are putting out these, they put out a huge white paper and basically announced that they want to uh, start testing this potentially in Los Angeles by 2020, which seems insane to me. Especially when I saw the um, the, the video. It's basically, um, it's basically airplanes um, mm-hmm. or, you know, bigger sort of drones. But they have... Um, uh, to do the vertical landing and takeoff and then also fly at a decent speed. I guess you have to, you know, be able to rotate the wing. Um, so it's not just a pure helicopter. So basically when you want to fly vertically, you tilt the wing up and the props are pointing up. The whole thing is like, you know, props with uh, electric motors. And um, then when do you want to have a, a greater forward speed, you tilt the, the wing and the entire engine and everything forward and basically looks like an airplane, you know, with just two mm. to four propellers or whatever. And and the, the only thing that sort of came to my mind there, and, and I know that there's been huge improvements in all the, you know, the drone uh, industry, etc. And there's some really, really amazing things. But when I saw that, the first thing that came to my mind was like the Osprey. Are you familiar with that aircraft? Oh, a little bit. It's the military version, basically, mm-hmm. that they've been, you know, they built. It went... 
over budget like crazy and uh it was promised that this uh, this amazing you know vertical takeoff vertical landing and or takeoff and landing vehicle for the armed forces mm-hmm. and that has had such a bad track record i mean it's like it has crashed so many <laughs> times and the ratio of actual aircraft to to um to crashes is extremely high and unfortunately i think they they got like 70 people killed just during testing it was crazy Ooh. So, anyway, that just sort of stuck in my head when I saw those pictures because they are very, very mm-hmm. similar to that aircraft. Yeah, so. have that I, flying over cities just doesn't seem like a good idea. I don't know. No, I mean, so it's funny because when I saw the headline, "Uber flying cars could be tested as soon as 2020 in LA," like my first thought was Back to the Future with like the flying cars, <laughs> yeah. um, and uh, I mean, that's not happening. Uh, but even still looking at this, I'm just like, <sighs> I still don't think it's a good idea. I just don't think Uber is, I, um, yeah, I don't know. I, Aside I feel from like, e- even yeah. that, just the technical aspect. Yeah, no, no, right? from, I mean, from, from a technical like, aspect, I just like, I really wonder cause don't most cities have like rules about who can fly in certain metropolitan areas? Like that's why they're partnering with NASA. It's because they're basically working on a new air traffic control system for low-flying vehicles, main, mainly drones. And uh, so that's why they, that, that link is there, I think. But yeah, you're right. I mean, it's... Anyway. Yeah. I'm, I'm with you on that. <laughs> I'm skeptical. I'm very skeptical. Skeptical Raquel is skeptical. Yeah. Hmm. I'd hmm. be very nervous. Yeah. That So much stuff flying overhead, but... Yeah. I think 2020 also is just a ridiculously aggressive uh, timeline. Though I will say that in a couple of years ago, Uber did like a, like a, um, an air Uber to go to the Hamptons in New York city. So like for the low, low price of like a thousand dollars or something, um, they would, fly people from new york city to the hamptons which is just over in long island um but like it's like a really posh area to go to so i don't know how successful they were with that because it was really expensive but you know maybe maybe they have a little bit of experience with this i don't know Hmm. we'll see i guess yeah maybe maybe (laughs) (laughs) yeah oh goodness but yeah, yeah. Um, I had a really interesting thing happen over the weekend. I don't know if you all saw it <laughs> on Twitter. I did. Um, no, but I, I read a little bit of it. Yeah, so I, I, so I was I was hanging out um, on on Sunday. Um, we were up in Lake Tahoe, and I was sleeping in. And you know how like like you sleep in sometimes, but like your phone is really close by, so you'll like hang out in bed and like you'll read Twitter just for funsies or whatever. Maybe not anybody else does this, but maybe I maybe I'm the only person who does it. Um, but um, so I, I'm just reading I'm reading Twitter, and suddenly I see a tweet from somebody saying that they read a comment on a blog or something that said that, um, Mac like, whoa, 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 sorry. Okay. Um, <laughs> <laughs> what was that? I'm setting up a new computer. Um, and it just started talking to me. Oh my goodness. Um, anyway, so I, um, so I, I, I saw this tweet that was basically along the lines of, um, 
the like uh, let me read the actual tweet the tweet was uh, read a comment this morning stating that maker culture with a capital M uh, is 80% male and had to laugh only if you discount the millions of women sewing, knitting, weaving, and more, but Oh, right. They're just quote crafters, unquote, that artificial distinction enrages me. Um, and I was just like, I also had to laugh because I don't know what it is, but like there seems to be this, this distinction between crafters and makers and engineers and all sorts of things. And I was like, this is silly. And I decided to kind of tweet a little thread about my thoughts on this comment. Um, and, <laughs> um, and it was, it was really, um, I had no, I had no expectations. I had, had no idea what to expect rather. And it turns out that, um, I, I, my, my little thread, uh, is currently at about 1600 re retweets and 2,500 likes. Wow. Uh, and I was like, awesome. uh, oops. <laughs> I mean, I've never had such a viral set of like tweet ever before. And it was kind of amazing. Um, but basically my, my whole stance was, um, crafting and making are just forms of engineering <clears throat> and discounting them is really kind of silly. Um, because what I do in my crafting life is very similar, like extremely similar, if not more so uh, similar to my, like it's as a, like I have a degree in mechanical engineering, right? So I know how to build stuff. I know how to like go through the process to build like, for example, a robot. We've talked about this on the podcast before, but I also sew and the process that it takes me to make a garment is actually exactly the same. Um, and the fact that one is somehow given a different name than the other, I think is kind of silly. And um, the idea that there can be like, that there are any different at all is also extremely silly to me. So I said that and it went viral. Um, <laughs> and of course there are like, it's amazing to me the number of people who have reached out and been like, yes, 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 this is exactly what I've been trying to say, but you said it really well or whatever. And that was really cool. Um, but then there's, there's like a couple of people, not very many, but a couple of people who are like, that's not really engineering because it doesn't really fit the definition. And I wanted to be like, so what's the definition of engineering then? Uh, I mean, as a mechanical engineer with a degree in engineering, I'm pretty sure I know what engineering is, given that I have a degree in it. <laughs> so anyway... I just thought that was really funny. And I'm like, no. What was that sort of in a, at least in a civil way or were they, were they nasty about it or? Oh, nobody was like, I didn't, I didn't have to deal with too many trolls or anything like that. I mean, I'm also not the type of person to, um, feed the trolls. So like, as mm -hmm. soon as I saw anything, even hinting at like maybe being all, you know, snippy, I just yeah. was like, I'm just going to ignore you. Okay. Um, and they went away. Um, but, but there were definitely a few people who were like, no, I don't think so. And I'm like, you didn't even read the thread. So I'm not going to respond to you. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah. That's so, cool. Yeah. It's nice to get that kind of reaction. That's, uh, 
you hit a nerve there, I guess. I wonder why that is. Like, what's the history of, you know, why is the whole maker movement a thing when it was there long before, right? Yeah. So it's, it's kind of I mean, weird. there are some weird theories. Um, like, I don't know that we want to go into, like, gender yeah, issues a here. Huge, con- huge but, can of worms, yeah. Yeah, it's pretty huge. I mean, like... There's just this whole sense of, like, when men do the work, it's important. When women do yeah. the work, it's just for funsies. <laughs> um, yeah. And, and then it, it kind of just goes on from there. And so we don't have to dive into that. But I think that's really where a lot of it comes from. And so, like, I'm, I'm familiar with the maker movement, capital M. Um, mm-hmm. Like, capital M maker, capital M movement. Um, and I'm kind of... I think it's kind of dumb um, in that like people wanted to give it a name, but in doing so there seems to be an exclusion of like people who've been doing like building stuff for fun for centuries, literally. Um, And like the maker movement is about like 3d printers and like uh, playing with LEDs and uh, microprocessors and hacker spaces and all of that stuff. And it's like, I still think a sewing machine is actually the original 3D printer <laughs> in, in like many ways, right? And it's just like, yeah. I'm not huh. sure that... Yeah, so anyway. Um, I thought yeah. it was really interesting. Uh, just just wanted to add um, the parallels between engineering or what we call engineering and knitting and stuff it was a, mm. it was it was surprising to me because i didn't know that about knitting i i think mm-hmm. I, when i was in uh what we call grundschule here that's like the first like with the first five years of school mm-hmm. um we had a knitting class at some point right? and it was really it just was so hard <laughs> <laughs> i had to do that too yeah i had learned knitting and crocheting and it was incredibly hard to get that's amazing nice looking pattern it was always like (laughs) distorted and had knots in it yeah i didn't have the patience to do this properly count the things and like wow yeah (laughs) Yeah. i thought it was very interesting i never never thought about that um about the parallels and yeah i didn't even know that was an issue either but um Mm -hmm. but yeah it was yeah it was very cool very cool thread i really like yeah Yeah. Knitting is the original binary. Like, (laughs) like, like, like seriously, like, like there are some amazing talks uh, from people who give talks about how to understand uh, like binary code by talking about knitting. Cause Mm -hmm. it's, it's basically code when you're, when you're altering a pattern and all that stuff, you're basically rewriting the, the, the the code. And um, like, there are a lot of software developers who also do knitting, and, like, they're like, yep, nope, it's exactly the same. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's really Assembly cool. Assembly language. Right? Yeah, I mean, it, it makes sense. It's like, it's like placing, it's like, like placing bits uh, in certain colors, right? Mm-hmm. On yeah. a, like, in a sequence, mm-hmm. in, a certain, yeah. in a certain way, so that it, 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 this pattern emerges, like... Mm-hmm. That's that's what we do on the computer too. If you do something graphical, like, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. I mean, there are for loops and uh, do whiles <laughs> and <Right. laughs> go tos. Like, uh-huh. there's all of it. It's all there. <laughs> that's amazing. 
That's yeah, cool. I think it's really cool. Okay. <clears throat> I think it's very, very cool. Yeah. <clears throat> so what else is going on? What else is new and exciting? Uh, Firefox Quantum has been released. Mm-hmm. Do yeah, have, all... have, have either of you played with it yet? I yeah, haven't. I had a look at it today. Uh, Installed it today, the newest version. It's, uh, it's good. It's fast. It's nice and fast. So is this the new version with uh, Rust? Yes. So uh, in it? I don't. I don't uh. think that everything. So as far as I understand it, um, certain parts have been have been. Um, so that they have this experimental browser, a browser internal uh, experimental browser that where they are rewriting the comp complete browser with Rust. And then they're taking parts of that that are stable and put that into Firefox. And mm -hmm. I don't know how much is in Quantum or if everything is, or most of it is already uh, Rust-based or Rust code, but, um, but it's fast. It's fast. <clears throat> the last thing that I saw was that they changed the CSS engine and the CSS engine has like... Um, different like take stuff from the chrome css engine and the uh of uh, and the webkit and firefox and mixes it all together and makes it super fast and yeah it's pretty impressive cool stuff mm. yeah is, is servo is that that's is that the thing you're talking servo, about the internal yeah, version or the yeah sort of the yeah okay that's the rust browser yeah. <clears throat> I tried to build that a few years ago and wasn't able to. I couldn't get past the Python part of it. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. I haven't. I haven't. I haven't used Firefox in a really long time, mostly because, um, like, I remember using it several years ago, and then I stopped and started using Chrome for the Dev Tools, and then I switched to. F Let's see. Then I switched back to Firefox because I wanted to be cool and hip. And then, um, the and then, <laughs> yeah. And then, and then, and then like on my team, I like it when on a web team, everybody uses a different browser because then you have like automatic QA, um, mm -hmm. like just by happenstance, which is really nice. It's like one less thing to worry about. Um, And so because the other people on my team had Chrome and Firefox, then I was like, fine, I'll use Safari. Um, and then I stopped coding and it's just, I've just kept using Safari. <laughs> like Safari's dev tools are not my favorite. Um, so I definitely prefer using either Firefox or Chrome for that, but I don't code, so I don't have to worry about dev tools as much. <laughs> and so yeah i've just been sticking with safari because it comes standard on the mac and uh yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, safari is a good browser that makes, that makes sense yeah mm -hmm. it's nice yeah i like safari it is a nice browser it yeah. works it's it does exactly what i need to do fun so. to use yeah yeah <laughs> totally, okay so for sure so who put who put calibrate 2017 videos are up online into the oh topics i did I did. So, um, so a bunch of friends of mine in the engineering manager world um, went to this conference called Calibrate, and it's specifically a conference aimed at uh, tech leads who are looking to go into management. And um, and it's actually like the talks in it are even are useful even for people who are like 
a few years in or multiple years in or even decades in um, just because it's always it's engineering management is not necessarily something that people talk about on the larger scale very often and um, and sometimes it can feel like a black voodoo art that you're like I don't understand how do I but the p I people how do I people <laughs> um, yes. and yes Please tell me <laughs> yes exactly so um so the, so this conference calibrate has been around for three years um and they post all of their videos online and I had heard a lot of amazing things about this one talk um by Julie uh not Julie um uh, Jill? Jill, Jill Wetzler, who is the director of engineering at Lyft. Um, and she gave a really great talk about how to, how to build an inclusive team. Um, and like not talking about why you need to care about diversity or why diversity matters or anything like that. But assuming you already like understand and accept that diversity matters, how do you now go about actually building an inclusive team? Um, and so I had heard about it and I was like, I really want to see this talk. Where, how do I see it? And like, I'd been waiting and waiting and waiting. And then finally, uh, just late last week, um, the Calibrate team posted the videos. And so I was like, yay. And so I watched the talk and it really is as good as everybody was saying. Mm. Um, so, so mad props to Jill on that one. Um, and there are some other really good talks too. And so I've been kind of slowly watching them and um, trying to absorb as much as I can uh, before I start my new job in a few weeks. And so mm -hmm. it's it's pretty cool, and I highly recommend them. Um, and we'll put a link to the show link to them in the show notes. Um, but peopling is hard, and knowing what the good best practices are is even harder because when you're working at a company where you may be one of the only, if not the only engineering manager, it can be really hard to know who to talk to about these things. Um, so, yeah. <laughs> so yeah. <laughs> Very cool. Yeah. I'll cool. definitely have to check that out. Yeah. Good tip. Yeah. So this is always in San Francisco or it has been. I believe it has always been in San Francisco. It seems like this, it's like the same keynotes every year. Um, mm -hmm. So it, I don't know. It seems like the type of place where like maybe you go when you're early on in your career and then you don't go. Again. I don't know. <laughs> um, but like the topics do seem to change a little bit year after year. So I've been like just going through this year's and then I've been noticing some titles from previous years and like, oh, I want to see that one and I want to see that one. So, um, yeah. So I've been watching them on YouTube during my last week at NPM <laughs> because, you know, what yeah. else do you do in your last week? You're like, oh, yeah, okay, hi, bye. Um, so, yeah, so that's been happening. Um, yeah. Boy, kid. Very exciting. Very exciting. <laughs> <laughs> what else is up? Do you have anything more, Khalil? Uh, no, I'm still tech you've been um, I'm still obsessing over web web components um, <laughs> yeah I've been watching I've been watching polymer summit videos because it's kind of so uh, I think it was in the beginning or mid-year or something like that there was a polymer su summit in Denmark 
And Polymer is, you know, this project from Google where they um, they give you a set of tools in order to use w w web components in a real, like in production. <clears throat> so it has like mm -hmm. a build tool and it comes with all the polyfills that you need. And, um, and there are like certain programming patterns that you can use in order to, to make it a little nicer to wor work with web components. And it was interesting to see. I mean, there's, um, I think uh, there was this guy from EA, from Electronic Arts, who um, mm. gave a talk. Um, he told the whole story how they made the decision to bet on web components and how they kind of overhauled their whole, yeah, basically web development <clears throat> how they make websites um, completely and they just use web components and um, they have lots of websites because they, they make games, right? And so they have landing pages or microsites for, the guy always said, micro-sites. Um, so they make micro-sites uh, for every game and, <clears throat> and every site, every micro site has to have like, you know, like the, like a big image and, and they had like, <clears throat> uh, those web components were super flexible and, and it allowed them to, to make micro sites, uh, without basically with no coding. So it's, it, he said that it took, it takes them now like one and a half weeks to, uh, create a micro site and all the work that goes into into that uh, site, basically the one and a half weeks is all just content. Like, because huh. they have all these web components that they can stick together that web components that take care of the layout web components for you know, the different, you know, elements that they can have on a microsite. They have basically have, they made it created a design system. And that's also something that I've been seeing a lot recently that um, um, companies are working on design systems which I, in the beginning, I was not so clear on what that even means. But <clears throat> if I understand correctly, and I still don't know if I do, but if, if I understand correctly, then a design system for, um, yeah, for a company is, is basically a set of guidelines, a set of components, and a set of rules um, that you can use in order to create... Um, any kind of web asset or any kind of thing that has an interface, um, any website or apps and stuff like that. And so it comes with components that you can just use and stick together. Often it's like React components. And sometimes there is like little, uh, they have like tools, visual tools where you can click together stuff, move stuff around, um, change the colors, change sizes and stuff like that and, and they also had something like that i think uh, made something like that and then and and then and they have what is cool and what what they um what, what, what he stressed was that web components gave them the possibility to be really interoperable and 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 completely um uh independent from any framework and any backend can work with that with with the web components like there's really no restrictions and <clears throat> and uh, and that is really like I think that's one of the most powerful things um, from when it comes to web components is that this whole JavaScript framework thing this this what 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 abstracts 
the DOM and everything and gives you the possibility to make components just is gone because components are native to the browser and it allows you to be uh, 100% interoperable like those web components components if you do if you write them correctly can be used w within frameworks or without frameworks and anybody can just stick them into you know stick them into their website and then set the properties they need and that's it and it and it really works and this is the first time i have the feeling that this is really something that is um that is a can become a reality and in some cases is becoming a reality where m multiple teams actually really share uh components <clears throat> within a company teams that are that really don't write the same kind of code and or work with the same kind of tools but they can share web components because it's just part of the web and uh it was really impressive what ea was able to do um and how flexible it was and they had like components that are not that were less flexible and some that were super flexible with lots of configuration options and stuff And uh, yes, it's just it's just really impressive. It's one of the things that really stuck with me, and because I because I I haven't really seen that in my career so far. Um, this kind of flexibility and interoperability, and also um, you know like huge teams uh, that are separate, kind of working with the same kind of set of components, and 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 that they're they can really just basically use those little. Uh, puzzle pieces and stick together a website, you know, and all they need to do is just fill it with content. It's, it's pretty amazing. Yeah. Yeah, so. that concept or that, that promise of something like that working has always been super interesting, but never really worked. And I never really, yeah. at the, in the beginning, when I heard about all this, like, oh, yeah, you can, you know, it's, it's native to the browser and you can then, if it's written a certain way, um, works in let's say angular and ember as well and like how is that even possible yeah. <laughs> it uh yeah it sounds it sounds too good to be true no, so it's it, very interesting or cool to see that it's coming together so it's coming together yeah i mean nice, also yeah. the promise of web components working with um all the frameworks that is not 100 percent uh feasible i mean in some cases first of all you have to write the web components properly like if you make mistakes there it can be problematic um And with some frameworks, it doesn't. You have to know how to work with them um, in order to make it work. In order to pass data from the from a framework component <clears> to <throat> the web component and stuff like that. But it basically works with all the big frameworks. So, mm -hmm. um, so that's already really interesting. And um, yeah, I, I, um, Alex Russell he wrote he wrote this um, this long article on his website. He's one of the one of the guys who worked on web components. He said that um, with with the frameworks, with like React and Angular and stuff, like real um, interoperability and 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 real, you know, like standalone components and code sharing and stuff like it will never really be feasible because they will always start. They will always there was there's always going to be another hot framework that will have some other innovation that makes things better and everybody's jumping on that and then the components are slightly different and yeah. and and also these frameworks they always have to manage two trees they have to manage the um you know the dom tree that they already that is in the browser already and then they're all mad managing a second dom tree the virtual dom that they use in order to um, update the DOM efficiently and stuff. And that will always be also an issue 
uh, it makes them more complex. It makes them, there's all this code that you need to ship to the browser in order for this to work. And, um, and that is just something that, that just doesn't exist with web components because it's all native to the browser, right? So, and if people start using web components more, then that is also something that browsers will actually start competing on, like on performance and how well they, um, uh, um, how, f how performant they are while dealing with uh, web components. And, and so there's, a, there's really, I think there's a really interesting future within that. And, and for me, the more I'm thinking about it and the little bit that I worked with it and I'm, I'm, I'm gonna. I'm, I'm doing. I'm kind of reading more about it and reading documentation and and playing around with it more. I feel like this is really this is really cool because lots of the a lot of the the technology needed in order to um, to write web components in the browser has landed in the browsers already in in the most modern browsers, <clears throat> and. That's super exciting because it is really a nice experience to to write web web components like that, and it really, um, yeah. So I think that we're coming into an era now where that's re that really does make sense to to create um, web component or apps with web components, or to just create your website design system with web components and stuff. And more and more of that will will happen, and then um, I'm sure browsers will find ways to optimize um, performance with that as well. And that's and that's a whole different story, I feel like, because then it's frameworks will have a completely different role. Because frameworks, at some point, frameworks, JavaScript frameworks will not um, have, they won't, they will not have to create the, you know, deliver the whole component part at all anymore. It's just going to be stuff around the components, maybe some sort of, uh, I don't know, just state management and, you know, I don't know. I don't know, like helpers around that, but it's going to be application reduced. glue. Oh yeah, basically, yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, so I'm still on that train, oh. and um, I'll be writing about it, I think, um, and 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 talking about it more, I guess, in the future. Cool. Really, really obsessing about it right now. <laughs> <laughs> Why nice. do we need these frameworks? We don't need them anymore. Oh, so many frameworks, so little time. Yeah. And that's so a little time. And that's also that's also super cool that I mean the thing when I when I when I did my little experiment, I literally just used I said that last time already, I literally literally just used the uh ES modules capabilities of the browser and I just used no compilation, transpilation, I used ES6 code and all that stuff because Chrome is, you know, basically can do everything already. And it was just so nice. It was so nice just using command com command R to refresh the page and you see the changes. And there's nothing, <laughs> there's nothing in between, you know? So basically... It's come full circle. That's what we did 10 years ago, right? Yes, but we wrote, we wrote shitty code and we didn't <laughs> yeah, know, know how to modularize or anything like that but now you have uh, modules you know and you have yeah. nice syntax and you have amazing css capabilities like variables and all this kind of stuff and you can just use it directly there like that's that is the that is the best development experience that i've had <laughs> in so many years <laughs> that i think that that is actually a really 
it's actually a, f a feasible um, concept or idea to to move away from tooling and just use Chrome in order to build your application. And then when you want to ship it to production, then you make your build and you test it in all the browsers and make sure that it works everywhere. And But for, for development, I mean, com the command R workflow is like amazing because <laughs> the browser just <laughs> eats your code up and does everything and it's fast. It's really cool. Nice. <laughs> it was amazing. It was really astounding to me how much, how freeing it was, just the feeling, you know? Like there was no gulp, there was no TypeScript compiler, there was no Webpack <laughs> server, you know, like no, no styles, no SAS compiler, nothing. It's just like you can do all that stuff right there and it's just like Command R, done. Freedom! Command R, done. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I, I feel there's some talks coming on here. Or <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's, that's people awesome. are talking about it everywhere, but yeah. Oh, that's yeah. too funny. Very cool. I like. It's really cool. <laughs> <laughs> the only know. thing, the only thing that that is a little annoying is that you can't just easily use. There's no way to easily use Node modules, uh, Node packages yet so what you want what you need to do if you use just use the command r workflow uh, <laughs> uh, then you have to say import module name from uh, and then you have to do node uh, underscore modules slash and then really you know write the whole path to the file that you actually want to import so that's a little annoying so if you want to do if you want to have the best of both worlds and you want to do Uh, import if you want to use node modules how you always did use them then what you need to do is you, you need to, to use something like uh, for development just use something like um, uh, what's it called Budo or the uh, ba ba Bankai uh, Bankai server thingy um, that you find on NPM and just mm. you have to slap in a browserify transform uh, as of the babelify um um, um, configuration into the package JSON, and then it will it will do the then it then it's basically. Um, so it's so what you, so you need to just configure it with with like one preset so one Babel preset that just sucks in the uh, the presets for and plugins for the latest ES. 2015, 17, 18, whatever stuff, and then uh, what? It, then it, you can just import uh, node modules, no problem, and stuff like that. And I, so, what's, what's interesting? Uh, I tried that also because I'm kind of tr I'm trying out different workflows, and uh, the Bankai server from Joshua Woitz, um I think that's how you say his name. Um, mm. They they are making he and his team um, they're making a new version for, for Bankai and it's uh, optimized for the Chu framework that he that he made but um, that new Bankai server is like a really like a zero config kind of uh, development server and it's not completely done yet it's going to be coming like the stable version version 9 is going to come out uh, at the end of this year uh, this, this year this week sorry and uh, Uh, and that will actually come with, it's a, it's like 
really amazing. There's everything is built in. It will come with um, Babel built in, so there's no you don't have to figure out what to configure. It it comes with code splitting. It comes with server side rendering. It comes with service workers configure like everything is just like already there. Everything is built in. So you really all you need to do is this bankai start and and yeah you can write web components or whatever you want with JavaScript and it will just it will just work. So shout out to those to those people that are working on that. They're doing some great work. It's cool. True JS. Mm -hmm. hmm? Interesting. Yeah I'm just looking at their True JS, yeah, I also tried that yeah. out. It was also fun. It's also really, it's very lightweight. It's just very cool a little framework. <laughs> nice logos. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or yeah. emojis. Yeah, very cool. Choo-choo-choo. Very cute. <laughs> All right. That's it for, that's okay. it for today, my friends. Mm. I would say so, yeah. Indeed. Yeah. Raquel is just oh. chilling. You you don't know what to do with <laughs> with your life. I'm just like sitting around. This is vacation. Like... Nice. <laughs> yeah. Just do 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 do. Um. So yeah, next week. Uh, next week. I will not be able to join in because Thanksgiving. But right. uh, after that, I'll be just kind of sitting around for a couple weeks and be like, Java, what? There's a what? <laughs> The interwhat? <laughs> I don't know what any of these things are because I'm not doing anything. Um, no, I'll find some cute animals to talk about. Um, <laughs> so, good times, good times. Very uh, nice. But yeah, so um, good news is we like all the topics that we've discussed. We'll put some show notes or some links and stuff into the show notes, which you can find uh, on uh, reactive.audio. And if you go to the show notes, you can also find a link to join our Slack channel, which uh, has been a little quiet lately, but, uh, but maybe you, yes, you, dear listener, are going to be the one to help uh, start up a really fun conversation topic. Hmm? Hmm? For yes. sure. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, and since you you have a little time, you can also start some. It's true. It's true. Say I, hi. I'll just ask me I'll anything. Just, yeah, she's gonna go on that. an electronic detox session. <laughs> <laughs> Disconnect from the interwebs <laughs> to be all refreshed for the new gig. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. All right, and when if they want to follow you on Twitter, where do they go? What's uh, you can find me on Rockbot, which apparently now that I have a little bit more time, I start having like mega thoughts that just start <laughs> going all over the place. Mega thoughts. <laughs> nice. Mega oh, thoughts. oh, oh, you, yeah, yeah, like, yeah, that's right. Yeah. Okay. okay. <laughs> yeah. Cool. It's like thought leadership, but yeah. bigger. Yeah, <laughs> but bigger. Yeah. Thought <laughs> thought leaderette ship. <laughs> All right, in the show notes that you mentioned, you can also find a link there to um, leave us a review. So if you like the show, please tell someone about it or many someones about it um, so they can find us. And uh, I'm H. Glattergots on Twitter, and I'll catch you next week. And I'm Khalil Tweets on Twitter, and you can also tweet us at ReactivePod on Twitter, obviously. Okay. Bye. All righty. <laughs> Bye, everyone. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.